if you guys were here last week, you guys know we started a brand new series called Heart Check. Everyone say Heart Check. Okay. We're going to say it together one more time on the count of three. One, two, three. You know, I, last week I was talking about how if we've gone through a physical, they always check the heart. We even talked about how if we just go to the urgent care, the emergency room, or a doctor's appointment, they always check the heart. Last week I was telling our, our third service, our Spanish service, that, that when you come in with like a broken foot, they need to check your heart. If you come up with a messed up pinky, they're going to check your heart. If you go to the doctor's appointment because you have a migraine, guess what they're going to check? Your heart. Because the heart is the pump of your body that, that really pumps the blood, gives the oxygen and pumps the blood through your entire body and it functions. Now, there are a lot of important, very important organs and, and things that are happening in your body. But how many of you guys know the heart is the core of it all? It's the pump of your life, of your whole body. And in a sense, it's the same way we want to make sure, spiritually speaking, that our heart is in tune and in check with God. So last week, we had an incredible service just talking about what it means to continue to examine our own hearts. So you guys ready for the physical to continue? You guys ready? Because we're going to go into the nitty-gritty, okay, according to Nacho Libre. We're going to go into the nitty-gritty. We're going to evaluate some things. We're going to check some things out because we need to. Because let me tell you something, and this is a very urgent message. You are responsible for your own hearts. Your spouse is not responsible for it. Your children are not. Your mom and your dad are not responsible. Your boss, your coworkers, people around you, they're not responsible for the condition of your hearts. You are responsible for the condition of your heart. And so we're going to continue to dive in and check our heart to make sure we're running. We're, we're walking according to what the word tells us to walk through. Because his word is final. And so today I want to talk to you guys about being a leader. Say, I'm a leader. You know, I said that on purpose because I can hear it. A lot of us, we said it because I told you to say it, but you don't believe it. You think you're not a leader. You see, the definition that you might have is, well, I need to have a title before my name. Or I have to be in a certain position. Or I have to be, uh, have a certain degree to be a leader. And maybe according to the world standard. But biblically speaking, what the Bible says, what the Bible reflects and shows us and teaches us, is that true leadership is not positional. True leadership is being an influence to the world. It's your influence that makes you a leader. Jesus influenced the 12. The 12 influenced the multitude. The multitude influenced the generation. And here you are today. It's because of influence, not because of position. And we have to have an understanding that you, 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 and you over there, we're all called to be a leader. There is someone you need to lead. Someone you need to influence in your life. And it might even be a boss <laughs> that you have to influence, a teacher or, or someone. But God has called you to be an influence. But be, before you become a good leader, you need to become a great follower first. You see, a lot of times we want to jump the gun or jump the ladder and get to a position where we're in a position where we're leading. But we're horrible followers. Jesus says to his disciples, come and follow me. And you can see Jesus established it right then and there. You want to work for the kingdom? You want to do things? First, follow me. First, follow me. I, I, and don't get me wrong. I, I love the passion. I love it when people are like, I want to do this for the world. I want to conquer. I want to go do this. I'm going to reach those people, those people, and those people. I know if Jesus, if you told that to Jesus, he would ask you, how's your home doing first? How are you leading your spouse right now? How are you talking to your children right now? Because that's where it's going to start. It's a standard that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us. And we have to understand that it's not a positional driven thing. It's about you being influential in, in people's lives so they can be drawn and compelled to Jesus. That's what it comes down to is you're trying to draw them to Jesus. I know I was influenced for eight solid years by a friend since middle school through high school. And he had no title or position. 
He was just influential in my life. He broke the ground in my heart so the seed can finally take root in my life. And I wanted to do the same. And I would ask God, take me to places where I could be influential in people's lives. A lot of us, we, we complain about the position we're in at work. But maybe you were called to be in that dark position so you can bring light in that area. It's influence. Everyone say influence. But for us to have good influence and be influential for God's kingdom in this world, we need to make sure. Are you guys ready? Because this is what we're going to talk about. Are you need to make sure. Are you guys ready? You guys ready? Here we go. You need to make sure your attitude is adjusted by, by the way God's word and what it says. It is an attitude adjustment that we're going to talk about today. And I'm not talking about rolling the eyes type of attitude. I'm talking about let's get down and dirty in the heart. Let's see what attitude we really have, what we're thinking, what we're, what we're maybe talking behind people's back. What, what, are, what are we doing? Because that's where God wants to take us. He says your attitude needs to be lined up to my word so you can be an influence to this world. You see, God wants you to have an attitude of a leadership. He wants that in your home. He wants that at work. He wants that at your church. He wants that, uh, that influence to be uh, uh, for your spouse and for your children and for your parents and, and family and friends. You know that cookout that we go to, that we're invited to with family and we don't really want to go because we know who's going to be there. And when we're there, we try to hide away, tuck away. Oh, don't, don't leave me alone. But you go because you know God wants you to go. You go because you say, well, I just got to love them. I just got to love them. But when it's time for the rubber to hit the road, it's a battle. And it, it's not about loving outwardly. It's about attitude inwardly and expressing that out. You know, again, your attitude is going to be the influence of, of your life. But when you allow your influence to be tampered with, <laughs> your influence, your, your position, your influential position is tampered with, it starts being corroded. And people don't want to be around that. I believe a lot of times our reputations are rotted because our, our attitudes are not right. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about, you know, Jesus loves me, I love Jesus. I believe that. But there is a mission here, and when our attitude has a stench to it, people don't want to be around us. They don't want to be around us. I think about the Pharisees who were knowledge of the word, had knowledge of the word, who knew the, the, by heart, could quote scripture. They could quote it, but people didn't want to be around them because of the stench they had in their attitude. And Jesus constantly corrected that in their life. He wants you to have an attitude where, where people will be drawn to you, want to be inspired by you, want to even walk like you. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, because his attitude was lined up according to what God's word said. Let's go to Ecclesiastics, chapter 10, verse 1. The Bible says, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A little folly, it outweighs wisdom and honor. And a lot of times our attitudes are not in the right position when it's time to apply what God wants us to apply. You look in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We, we, we know this scripture. We know it's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, justice, and self-control. We know that already. We have that down. But check out the message translation. Same scripture Different translation. I love the message translation. It's a great study tool. I wouldn't advise to read it through like that, but it's great to go and just check out different insights and how, how it's uh, laid out. And again, this is Galatians 5, 22 and 23 in the message translation. It says, but what happens when we live God's way? Well, he brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. Now listen to this, church. We develop a willingness to stick with things. Did you know willingness is an attitude? Being willingful to do what God wants you to do is an attitude. When mom and dad says, go take the trash out, and you're willing to do it, 
It's an attitude. It's a good attitude. When, when mom and dad says, hey, go cut the grass, and you're willing to do it, that's a good attitude. But when mom and dad ask you to take the trash out and you have an unwilling attitude, even if you did it and you have an unwilling attitude, you're going to get corrected. You're going to get corrected. If, if mom and dad tells you to cut the grass and you had an unwilling attitude, but you still did it, but your attitude was unwilling, you're going to get told. You're going to hear it because there is a correction that needs to happen with the character of the person. The deed, the job is awesome. It's important. It needs to be there. But how crazy would it be if the Lord told me, go minister to this person right here, and I was unwilling, but I still did it. Will I be a reflection of Jesus? Even though I said, Jesus loves you, bro, okay? All right? My attitude is not there. They're not going to feel the compassion of Christ. Our attitude needs to be lined up to his word. So willingness is an attitude in our life. Okay, we develop a willingness to stick with things. A sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. We are able to direct and put all our energy to his direction wisely. That's the same scripture where we see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the same exact scripture. And what he's saying is, yes, you have it memorized. Yes, you know it. But are you allowing me to work through you in those attitudes? What God wants us to do is he literally wants us to lead our hearts and not follow it. We've heard it. Follow your hearts. Follow your hearts. What do I do? Follow your hearts. But how many of you guys know when your heart is not healthy and it's not lined up to the word of God, your heart leads you to dead-end roads. It leads to dead-end roads, places you shouldn't be in. Because it's an emotional roller coaster that we ride. But the moment, the moment you start lining and leaning, lining it to the word and leaning it according to the spirit of God, as soon as you do that, you'll see that your heart will be full and it will take you places. Because you have decided to lead your heart. And the only way to do so is by doing it his way. Everyone say his way. So I am going to dive in into five attitudes. Everyone say five. five. I'm going to give you guys five attitudes that kill your influence. Five attitudes that kill, kills the influence that, that God wants you to have for other people in, in your earthly life right now. Because how many of you guys know the enemy is going to do everything to, to do to kill, steal, and destroy? He does not want you to be in a godly attitude. He wants you to feel good with your flesh. And so we're going to expose him right now. What are some five attitudes that kill our leadership? It kills our influence. Really, it kills the mission that God has for us. And the first one is this, for note takers. The first one is anger. Everyone say anger. Now, I know anger is an emotion, and let me tell you something. Anger is something that God created, but it's supposed to be treated as an indicator that we need to address something. Something needs to get resolved, got to get fixed. It wasn't created to be out of control. or It wasn't created for you to be enslaved to. Because when you're enslaved to it, it leads you. And a lot of times we don't even realize that we're deceived, we're blinded by it. And so we have to expose, again, let's do an examination in our heart. Am I enslaved to anger? Okay, I'm not saying do I ever feel it or not. That's not what I'm saying. What you need to understand is, is it out of control? Let's look at James chapter 1, 19 through 21. The Bible says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. 
You see, human anger, it does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept, humbly accept. Everyone say it with me. Humbly accept. Humbly accept the word of God that has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your soul. Anger is something God does not want you to be led by. But anger, it's making its way in people's lives. And when it makes its way in people's lives, anger makes us miss what God has for us on earth. Anger makes us miss the prosperous relationships we should be having on this earth. Because we're enslaved to it. I I believe the perfect example is Moses in the wilderness. God told him, speak to the rock. You're thirsty? Speak to the rock. Moses, speak to the rock. But what happened? Because of anger, Moses struck the rock and the water came out. And you can say, yeah, well, the water came out. That's because God is faithful regardless. See, God is faithful. When we're unfaithful, he will still be faithful. But he had told Moses to speak to it, and he struck it because of the people that he was leading. It was making him angry on the decisions and the complaining that we're going through. And the Bible shows us that he made it and got to see the promises, but didn't really get to go in. Only two made it in out of the two million. Only two made it in. And so we have to understand that. There are promises we claim and and, and declare, and my faith is there, and it's awesome. But if we can really be true with ourselves, are you really walking in the promises, or do you just see it from from afar? Because God has given you full access. He has given everything to you, but maybe anger is stopping us from enjoying it at the moment. At the moment, we're missing it because we're so angry about something. There's bitterness. That God's just saying there's an indicator there that you just need to address something. And maybe you should start by giving it to me and not Facebook. Me and my be- or not my best friend. But giving it to me. Me, because I will do something about it. See, when we give it other places, it feels good to the flesh. But guess what's happening? They're throwing, what is it, uh, kerosene is what it's called, all over it. To stir up the fire. And what we are looking for is a pat on the back because you had every right to feel that way. It feels good to the flesh, but it's not good for the heart. It's not good for the heart. And so God's saying, give it to me. But you don't understand what I went through, Jesse. I don't need to understand. You want healing? Give it to him. Give it to him. And when we do that, we start seeing and walking through the promises of God. Anger, I've learned over experience that anger literally is just wasting my time. My time that I could have where I can be joyful and happy. and, And it starts with just releasing it to God. Again, when we do that, we start accepting the word humbly in our hearts is what the word says. And let me tell you something. His word is healing. It is healing to your soul. It is healing to your body. It is healing everywhere in the atmosphere. When we're in worship and we're proclaiming his word, it's healing. It's, it feels good. It's saturating. We say we're in his presence because we desire that. We were created for that. Like the fish in the water, we're in our elements, just like they're in their elements. Is when we're in his presence and we're, we're not allowing an emotion to get us, but allowing the presence in his spirit to overtake us. You see, when we miss it, what happens is anger is, it's, it's a habit forming. And God says that thing you don't have to be enslaved to because it's going to continue to erode your leadership, your influence. What we simply need to do is spend time with God. You see, sometimes it's this simple. You know, maybe you're just not sleeping enough. Maybe you're, you know, go to bed 2 a.m., wake up 6 in the morning. That's why we're so angry sometimes. You know, the other day, it was like three days ago, I was doing some work in my downstairs area, and I'm drilling some drywall in. And how many of you guys know when your tool's not working well, sometimes it can be a little frustrating, right? You're trying to get something done, and you're trying your best, and it just gets a little frustrating. Well, I was in that mode, okay? And at the moment, in the heat of the moment, it, it is hard. It's really hard. And I'm drilling away, and it's just not working. It's not working. And I'm like, man, what's going on? I'm like, I'm getting upset. 
And I'm, come on, God, get this thing going. And I'm, I'm starting to get my, my blood boiling right now because I just want to get the job done. I've been working for, like, hours on this, the one thing. And my nine-year-old daughter looks at me and says, Dad, are you angry? Are you mad? I said, what do you think? I can't get this thing going. She leaves the room. She leaves, and she runs upstairs. And then she comes back downstairs. She says, here, Dad, and she hands me a slice of pizza. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. She hands me a slice of pizza. And I said, what's this for? She said, it's for you. And she goes, eat it, because you're hangry right now. <laughs> if you don't know what hangry is, it's you're, you're, you're angry and hungry at the same time. My little girl knows me. She's like, Dad, you're just hangry right now. And she hands me a slice of pizza. Man, I ate that pizza right then. I was on top of the ladder eating that pizza. And it was so good to my soul. No, I, what I'm saying is, that, and it was, I, I needed a few. I didn't eat the whole day. And I literally got the job done right after that. I calmed down. And she just laughs and walks away. And she's telling mom, you know, and it, it, it's just a hilarious moment. A lot of times it's the simple things that we're just neglecting in life. Eat well. Sleep well. Because when you do that, a lot of times we don't even have to, they're unnecessary battles that we, have to, we don't have to face. Don't let anger, don't let anger overtake you. Spend time with God and get the rest. Number two, number two attitude that corrodes and kills your influence. It's pride. It's pride. You know, you look at King Saul, I believe King Saul is a perfect example in this one as well. See, he started well. Leading God's people, but he did not finish well. You see, pride got in his heart. David started becoming a threat to his life. And he left his position in pursuit to kill him. And neglected what God called him to do. Because of pride coming in. And so what happens is when pride comes into our own hearts, sometimes we neglect what God told us to do and we walk away. And we don't even know it. Because we don't constantly check ourselves. And what we need to do is understand that pride will pull us away. Pride, there, there, there will always be a fall that will come if we surrender to pride in our life. Look what 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Pride gets in the way of our obedience with God. Pride gets in the way from us saying yes to God. It just gets in the way. See, pride, what it does, it, it, it takes a person down faster than anything else. It'll take a person down. But, but what's the opposite of pride? It's humility. It's serving others. See, Jesus, when he walked this earth, he, he was washing the disciples' feet. And he was, he was teaching them something and talking with them. He was leaving them a standard. He says, you call me master. You call me teacher. You call me rabbi. And rightfully so, you're right. He goes, so I'm going to leave you a standard that I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. 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 I was trying to do the sound effect there, but it didn't work. He did come. He did come to serve. So what makes us think in our right mind, you need to serve me? Husbands, what makes you think in your right mind, my wife needs to do all this for me because I'm bringing home the bacon? A prosperous marriage, I love what you just said, hand to hand. A prosperous marriage is I serve you 100% and she's going to serve you 100%. But the moment, the moment, the moment we have the attitude of the culture, you're in pride. And pride is blinding. And you're, maybe your spouse is pleading, please change, change, change. Because they may see it and you don't. And what you need to do is take pride and take it to the Lord because it's been destroyed by him already. And start humbling yourself before the word of God. Accept his word. You know, it's so good when a parent who knows they did wrong to their child, not in a, in a bad way, but maybe they said something because they were angry for the moment or they were hangry, I don't know. But they, they, when they know they were wrong and they can look at their child eye to eye and say, I'm sorry, daddy was wrong. 
do you forgive me? Do you not know what you're teaching that child? How to let go, how to let things go, and how to forgive. When you can do that, watch God work wonders in the relationship between mother, daughter, father, son, parent, child. Don't be enslaved to pride. John the Baptist said it the best. He says, I must decrease and he must increase. You see, when, 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 I, when I meet with people, when I talk with people, I always ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, I, my opinions are off the window. You speak. I decrease. You increase. When you're in your relationship with your loved ones, Holy Spirit, I decrease. You increase. And that's how you love the unlovable. Because God has now taken over. Pride is no longer an issue. Pride is no longer stopping you from being obedient to God. The third attitude. You guys still with me right now? Amen. All right. The third attitude that kills and corrodes your reputation, your influence, your leadership skills is impatience. Impatience, it got really quiet. I struggle too. <laughs> we're so impatient that when we're in the drive-thru of McDonald's or Burger King, where they're not going fast enough. Well, Burger King, I understand. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> we're so impatient. My internet is taking too long. How long have you been waiting? Ten seconds. It should have been there already, man. I need a high, faster speed internet. This society is so impatient. It's, it's kind of funny. If you would stop and watch yourself, you could probably laugh at yourself. We're so impatient. Man, I remember being a kid and watching the train go by and counting every cart. I love this. This is awesome. Don't know. No, no, man. That's only 150. Man, we need more. I listen to my kids. Ah, oh, when are we going to get out of here? It's because of the society that we're it's so impatient. We're honking at the train. Hurry up. Impatience kills the influence and the attitude and, and the leadership that God wants us to have. Don't be enslaved to that. Uh, let's, go to, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. The Bible says, a servant of the Lord. Who's a servant of the Lord? Make some noise. Yeah. All right. That means he's talking to you. Are you ready? A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach. Are you guys ready for this? And be patient with difficult people. <laughs> be patient with Difficult people. <laughs> okay, now let me say, who's the servant of God here? <laughs> I heard half. <laughs> we're, we're doing an examination right now. We're checking the heart right now. <laughs> we're always in a hurry. And when we're always in a hurry, we try to find shortcuts. And when we try to find shortcuts, it leads us to unnecessary mistakes. And when we're looking for, when we run into unnecessary mistakes, we start blaming others. We start blaming people. Well, you made me late. Lady that's driving two miles an hour, we over-exaggerate. But reality was, you knew you had an appointment that was going to start in 10 minutes, and it takes you 10 minutes to get there exactly. And we don't leave margin. We don't leave margin. We don't leave margin. And so therefore now our, our impatience, our patience is being tested and we become impatient. And then you start re repenting because I should have read my Bible more. I should have done more because I could have overcome this one thing. And it was never that. Because you can't earn from God. God gave. God gave. God gave. God gave. He says you need to discipline yourself and not submit and surrender to impatience. I'm not saying you're going to feel it. You will feel it. Just like Jesus says, there will be troubles. But Jesus also said, but take heart. I overcome them. You can take heart because impatience, you can overcome. You can overcome. Don't pray for patience. Warning, 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 warning. Don't pray for patience. Lord Jesus, give me your patience because guess what he's going to do? Give you an opportunity to be impatient so you can overcome it. I mean, come on. 
Lord, I pray right now for your patience. He's not going to give you the patience. He's going to give you an opportunity to be patient. You really want to learn? Ask him. Ask him. I said, Lord, give me your patience. Oh, 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 okay. Poof, four kids came. Whoa! <laughs> that was awesome. I love him so much. But you have to understand that when we enslave ourselves, I'm using that word on purpose. When we enslave ourselves to being impatient, we are just unhappy. We're, I'm not talking about you being you know, heaven bound and saved. You are a child of God, but man, you're missing some things on earth that are good for your life. And what impatience does is it, it corrodes your influence. People don't want to be around that. And you're constantly trying to hurry and find shortcuts. Man, haste makes mistakes is what Proverbs says. And we have to heed on to that, that proverb right there. You have to heed on to it. We need to take time to seek, listen, and pray to God. And the reason why I say that is because when we live a hurried up life, most likely in your prayer time, you're hurrying up. In your reading time, you're hurrying up. And it becomes a routine and a check off the list for today. Next, when God was not intended to be that in your life. He was not intended to be something to check off the list to get him done. Well, God, you're the first one on the top. Look, I am not the list is what he's saying. I am your God. I am your Savior. I am your breath of life right now. And we treat him like he's a doctor's appointment. Check. Next. Heart check, everyone. Everyone say heart check. I'm feeling it. And some of us are like, oh, man. Good, good, good. Because his truth is going to set you free. Impatient. Don't be enslaved to impatient. Number four. What's the fourth attitude? Fourth attitude that corrodes and kills your leadership and your attitude. And what is it? What is it, Jesse? Tell me. It's fear. And I'm not talking about a fear that we reverence to God and we fear the Lord. That's, that's a reverence, okay? We're actually talking about fear that paralyzes you. I'm going to say it this way. This fear, it just flat out, doesn't come from God. This fear is from Hades itself. Some of you guys are like, what's Hades? Where's that on the map? <laughs> it's straight from the devil himself. Fear is a weapon he will use against you to stop you in your tracks. Fear will cripple you in the moment if you're enslaved to it. It does not come from God. It's not from God. And the reason why I say that with so much passion is because a lot of times we excuse it. I'm facing it, but we don't come to realization that it's not God. We try to find a reasoning behind why I'm in this fear, but God still loves me during this whole thing. Yeah, he does love you, but does not want you in that situation in the fear. He's given you a mouth to speak faith. He's give, see, uh, we know faith moves mountains. Praise Jesus. But you need to understand that first, faith should move your mouth so mountains can be removed. But what does fear do? What does it do? It shuts your mouth. It keeps your mouth closed. And when your mouth is closed, guess, not, guess what's not activating right now? Guess not what's speaking forth? Your faith in him, his promises, his word. And then what fear tends to do is start filling your mouth with doubt, <laughs> with lies. And we, we're losing it because we're surrendering to fear. See, fear has been already conquered. But when you surrender it to something, when you surrender your life to it, you're now becoming a slave to it. Fear is something that God does not want us to live by. I love what 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says. We all can quote it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a... And a sound mind. Fear is not from God. You overcome it by his word. And his word alone. And the last one I want to give you guys, last attitude that kills courage, that corrodes your influence, is acceptance. Acceptance. Some of you guys are like, well, what do you mean by acceptance? Let me explain. As God's representative, who's God's representative here? As God's representative to be a witness to this world, to your world, there will be times when people dislike you. 
they will not like you because you love him. And we have to have an understanding that there are going to be conversations that are probably going to be feeling like I'm being attacked on this. I'm the only one standing up. But Jesus says, when they hate you, they really hate me. Then he goes on. I love this. Jesus is so awesome. He goes, he goes and rejoice. <laughs> rejoice when you go through these trials and tribulations. What? That's because he sees the fact that we're not submitted to a culture in this world. We're submitted to the culture of the kingdom. That's why. But what we tend to do by human nature, this is not blame game, but what we tend to do by human nature is we submit to what the culture says and we try to find as many likes as I can get on my Facebook because that's going to make me feel accepted. Oh, I need to hear this really quick. How, how was it? How good? And we try to find that acceptance. Have you guys noticed, and if you haven't, I have in my personal life, but have you noticed that you can have a 99 compliments, but one person says one thing and it, you forget all the 99. And it ruins like your day, starts messing with your head. It's because by human nature, we're trying to be accepted by everyone. We don't like the feeling of not being accepted. But we have to remember to gear our minds, our hearts, according to the word, and first accept his word and please him in every way we live by and what we do. See, when we live to be accepted by just people, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to get tired. You're going to get tired. I'm going to boldly share this. I don't know why, but okay, Lord, here we go. But I remember uh, a couple years ago, I walked into this auditorium, looked at you guys, right? We're getting ready for worship. Here we go. And I remember walking in, and you guys know me. I would shake your hands, greet you guys before service starts. And I remember one person said, I go, how are you doing? I'm cold. Oh, you're cold? And they put a sweater on. Let me, let me, let me adjust the temperature real quick. And I adjust the temperature in the room. Man, I felt good about that. What's in the, how are you doing? Man, it's hot in here. And I remember thinking, there is no way I can, I can please both. It's, and it was an eye-opener to me. I only shared that not to get on you guys and tell me don't, don't, nothing about the temperature here. And I won't tell you who it was. But what I am saying is when we live that way, we're going to be just running back and forth, trying to please this person and this person and that person and this person. And what ends up happening is we start getting weary and tired and we start losing juice to do God's work. And then we start thinking, we get a different definition of, this is what it's about? I don't think I'm worthy. I don't think I'm called. I don't think I can do this. God, I don't know. It's what happens when we're trying to be accepted by people. People are not going to like you. And I'm going to say this boldly. It's okay if you're following his way. It doesn't mean you don't like them back. I'm not saying that. The Lord commands us. He commands us. You better love them. If your enemy says uh, they're hungry, you feed them. If they said they're thirsty, you better give them something to drink. We have to not live by trying to be accepted by this world and by people, but to live humbly before God. You are a leader, church. You are someone that's influenced here in this earth. I, 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 love, I love what uh, Paul says of Peter. Actually, the Apostle Paul, and we're talking about the Apostle Peter, the disciple. Paul confronts Peter. You know why? Because there's a moment where Peter is hanging with a group of people, and he's being the light of the world because he's Peter. I walked with Jesus. He eats with them. But when this other group of people come, he doesn't want this group And that group, he wants this group to feel like I'm accepted by them. So I'm going to neglect these guys and come over here. And he starts acting funny because those, these guys are here now. And I don't want them to know I was associated with those guys. Look what Paul does. Look what Paul says. Okay, Galatians 2, 11 and 12. We know the kind of the story now. But when Peter came to Antioch, I, Paul, had opposed him to his face. There was a confrontation here. For what he did was very wrong. See, when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, 
Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Why do I share that story? I share it because how many times has our attitude fallen into that? We act a different way towards someone else because this group is here. A lot of times we relate that to children, but we also do it as adults. We also do it as adults. I have fallen to that. And it's not fun when we fall into that. God, God does not want you to live a life where you're trying to be accepted by people because you will miss out on certain people that he wants you to reach. And maybe only you can reach. And when you do that, when you do that, when you do that, you start seeing God's manifestation, miracle in that person's life. Don't live to be accepted by people, but live to please God in everything you do. Aaron, let's talk about Aaron for a little bit. This is Moses' brother, okay? Moses' brother. Moses is going to the mountain. I got to talk to God for a little bit. Aaron, take care of the flock for a little bit. He goes up there. Moses takes a while, longer than expected. People are complaining, they're grumbling, they're talking to Aaron. Where's Moses? He said he's going to take us his place. I'm not seeing it. The griping happens. Maybe we should get a new leader. Aaron, what about you, man? What do you think? At the moment, Aaron was trying to please them. And where it landed them, where it ended up being, because he wanted them to be pleased, and he wanted to be accepted by them, they started worshiping a golden calf. They started worshiping a golden calf. It led him to the way that God, it skewed his leadership. It skewed his leadership and what God wanted him to do. What Moses delegated. Don't allow this attitude to skew what God is doing in your life. Because there are places you will go that God wants to use you in. The five attitudes that corrodes and kills your influence. Don't submit to it. Go ahead and close your eyes and bow your head. Father, I just thank you right now, right now, Lord, for an opportunity just to dive into your word, Father. Lord, I thank you for this heart check that we're going through. If there is an area, Father God, in our personal life that we just need to repent, we need to turn from, Lord, expose it now. Our hearts are wide open. Show us that area, Lord. Show us. Church, as you're in this prayer mode right now, and you're watching the line, and you're in this prayer mode, ask God right now. And you're, right now, ask God, what, what do I need to work on right now? And if you see it, and it's there, turn away from it. Say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I didn't mean to go that route. I missed it. Because guess what's about to happen? Right now, he's extending your mercy. He's extending forgiveness. He's giving it all to you right now. You don't have to earn it. You're not trying to work for it. He's giving it right now. See, the word repent is to turn away from it. Not just to say I'm sorry and go back to it. I love what Jesus said. He says the dog returns to its vomit. Don't be that. He says turn away. Turn away. If you're listening online, turn away. God's love and his mercy is unconditional. No limits. It's an eternal thing. Your mind not, might not comprehend it. But your heart is basking in it right now. Paul says, who can measure the love of Christ? How long? How high? How wide? How deep? Really, I think from an earthly perspective, you can't measure it. But from an eternal expect, uh, perspective, you can, you can bask and saturate yourself in it. That's just how unconditional God's love is for you. He loves you right where you're at. Here's the message of hope. Even though you feel like I've missed it or I don't have, I have not been living for him. This is why we do this. For your opportunity turn from that sin and say, yes, God, I will follow you. If that is you right now, 
you have been far from God and you're really being real with yourself right now. You have exposed your heart. You have shown the Lord. And you see, I have been far from God. The book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 12 says, there is no other name but the name of Jesus. You can see it all through the book of Romans. You call out to him, you cry out to him, for he will save you right where you're at. You see, the whole purpose, the whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth, why we quote John 3, 16, is to save us, not condemn us, according to verse 17, but to save us through his son, Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That he was on a rescue mission. He wasn't trying to just retrieve the dead. He was trying to save your life. He's saving your life right now. He's found you right where you're at. Will you accept his call? Will you grab the hand of Jesus and allow him to pull you out right now? See, what the battle is right now, what's happening is our thoughts, our mind. I don't want no one to know. I don't want no one to see. That should not be a battle at all. Because Jesus died for all to see. And then he rose from the grave for all to see. Let the world know you're committed to him. You've died to self and you've gained Christ. On the count of three, shoot your hands up. One, two, three, shoot your hands up. God bless you, I see you. Anybody else? God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, I see you. Anybody else? God bless you, I see you over there. God bless you, God sees those. I see hands, he's seeing the heart, guys. This is amazing. If you're watching online, God bless you. If you're watching online right now, I know I can't see your hand, but I can tell you he's seeing your heart right now. I see you, God bless you. This is amazing, guys. This is the time. It is time to get right and get serious with God. Give it a couple of more seconds. I give it a couple more seconds. I want to give this time to God. This is, this is right here, holy ground. Because he's speaking to heart. The best way we can get ministered to is spirit to spirit. All right. Someone else. It's amazing. Everyone repeat after me. Everyone repeat after me. If you're watching at home, repeat after me. Say, God, I know you see my heart. And I believe that full well. I ask you to cleanse me. Make me brand new. Jesus, I am sorry for all my sins. I receive your mercy. And I know I'm forgiven by you. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I know he didn't just die for me rose from the grave for me too. So Jesus, this moment forward, I commit to you. I ask you to put your spirit in me and lead me the rest of my days. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And we all celebrate by saying amen and amen. Look, if you are watching online, you made that decision, comment below, let us know. We want to give you your next steps. Church from the house, if you guys uh, uh, let us know one way or another, talk to me, talk to my wife, talk to the leadership here. Uh, we'd love to know and get you on your next uh, steps and, and for your life and giving uh, your life to Christ. Uh, we're just excited because we know that's the best thing you could possibly do for your life. Your journey is just beginning or maybe you're re-entering into the race. That's okay. God has plans for your life as well. All right, so let's go ahead and let's switch gears and let's get ready for Heart for the House. And we can get excited for Heart for the House because it's a time of our offerings and our, our tithes and our offerings. It's our giving opportunity. If you're watching online, uh, know that Heart for the House is just a vision that God gave my wife and I. We believe God called us to be on this in this place, in this building, to be an impact for our city and our people here. Uh, and, and we do that by honoring God by our tithes and our offerings. Now, church, 
Remember like I taught earlier and we learned from the word of God that the, the tithe is the first 10% of our income. That's a return to God. Okay, that's not, that's not ours. That's an automatic return. He does that because he wants us to follow obedience. And what obedience does is it breaks bitterness and it, and it creates generosity within our heart. But there is scripture that says, I will drop a number. I will drop what's in your heart, an amount what's in your heart. That's what you give. That's called an offering. It's above the tithe. And whatever God drops in there, I encourage you, be obedient to it. I have a quick message about this. You know, there's a difference between blessing and sowing. We know that. Okay, when you bless someone, you don't expect a return. I bless this person with groceries. They could say, I'll pay you back. I'll pay it forward. Your, your attitude's like, no, 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 that, that's a blessing. Be blessed. But sowing is another thing, another terminology that Jesus uses. And he uses a farmer as an example. You see, when a farmer, he sows seed, he's expecting a return, a harvest. Why am I saying that? It's because when you give, you're sowing into God's kingdom. Okay, you are a blessing wherever God wants to be a blessing. But when you give the tithe, you are sowing into the kingdom of God. So your attitude and your expectation is, God, I'm going to reap generosity. I'm going to reap, reap loving, not reek, reap loving. I'm going to reap your kingdom, Father God. That's an expectation of a farmer. That's someone that humbles himself and plants seed into God's kingdom. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Very short, very sweet, but to the point. Give and you will receive. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for this opportunity to give. Lord, I just pray right now that your will be done, that every amount that's given, Father God, will go to advance your kingdom. We thank you that you're taking care of this house and our personal homes, Father God. We expect that you're going to do some great things because brighter days are ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, for a couple of days that we can quickly give, uh, we're going to exit this way. You'll see Ingrid and Ken out there. Hey, wave, ladies. Those ladies are going to just serve you guys. If you want, they got envelopes ready. If you want to drop your tithes and offerings in that bucket as you exit out, that would be great. Or if you just want to, you know, you want to use your phone, if you go to rlcholland.com, Click on give. You scroll down, click on give. The prompt takes you from there. It'll help you just, you can do recurring or you can do a one-time give. Uh, but that's another way that you can give as well. Other than that, let's all stand up. I'm going to pray over you and then dismiss you guys. Are you guys enjoying heart check? Feeling good after the physical? I can run a marathon, spiritually speaking. Not for real, but spirit. <laughs> Father, I thank you for every person in this house. As they exit out, Father God, your hand be upon them, Lord Jesus. As they're watching online, Lord, your hand be upon them, Father God. We thank you for what you're doing in their homes and in their lives. Let them continue to live in the light as you are, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say amen. God bless you. We are reopening United Prayer 7 p.m. this Wednesday. Please join us. God bless you guys.